Welcome again to Viper Bites. I'm wearing the blazer. That means it's time for one of those fancy prime time previews. And we've got the two and five New York football jets heading to Indianapolis to face the three and five Indianapolis Colts. Maybe on the record, not the greatest matchup, but you know what? Sometimes when you got two teams that aren't very good when it comes to the record, that means you're going to get some pretty good production from a fantasy standpoint. And let's be honest, Thursday night football games, they're basically a wash anyway. We can't really tell what's going to happen because we're always in for a surprise each and every week. And you know what? Last week, a little trick-or-treating. Backup quarterbacks, they basically dressed up as starters. And we've got Mike White, who we'll talk about a little bit later, who absolutely balled out when given an opportunity. But first, if you're watching on the Vipers Network, make sure to head over there. Click that button there somewhere along the bottom where it says subscribe. Hit that like button. Leave a comment. Greatly appreciate it. I'll get to each and every one whenever I get a chance to. Expect that to be answered sooner rather than later. Now, if you're listening to us on either Apple or Spotify or any other kind of podcast platform, make sure to rate and review us. That's appreciated each and every time that happens. And, of course, if you have questions, send them my way on Twitter, at MattDonnellyFF. Slide into those DMs, and I'll get those questions answered for you as well. With that being said, let's head into this matchup. Let's dive a little bit deep, and let's talk about the New York Jets first and foremost here, and let's talk about that Mike White. Let's talk about how he is everything that the New York Jets wanted Zach Wilson to be. In two games played this season, Mike White has 607 passing yards, and in his only start, he lit up the Bengals secondary for 405 yards and three touchdowns. He also caught a two-point conversion at a crucial point in this game. A little filly-filly with a little dilly-dilly kind of action there. Uh, raise your hand if you saw Mike White finishing last week as the QB2, just behind Josh Allen. Put your hands down. Nobody saw that coming. I must admit, I had him in a couple spots there last week. I was streaming the quarterbacks, praying to the fantasy gods, please let this hit. Please let me get some production. I would be happy with 14 fantasy points. Yeah, you got to be impressed with what Mike White did there. And you know what? Maybe it's more of a saying on what these Cincinnati Bengals really are because he absolutely took them to the woodshed last week. Now, let's just put it this way. Going with Mike White last week was the White decision. No pun intended. Yeah, a full pun was intended on that one. Now, this week, he faces a Colts defense that allows the 10th most fantasy points per game to the quarterback position at 19.37. Now, they're also 12th in passing yards allowed and have given up the second most passing touchdowns, 19. One behind the Washington football team that leads the league with 20. Mike White, solid two, QB2 for you this week. Good option as far as Superflex is concerned. And you know what? With four teams on a bye... You know what? Don't even worry about those four teams in the bye because there's not a whole lot of quarterback play that you're missing out on. Now, the running back position, Michael Carter from the University of North Carolina was the man last week in Cincinnati. 15 carries for 77 yards and a touchdown. 14 targets, 9 receptions, 95 yards, and another tutty in the receiving game. All that added up to the RB1 overall Again, I ask to see the hands, but I know you're all lying anyway. Last week's 32.2 fantasy points drove his season total all the way up to 92.5, which moved him into RB20 
overall on the season. 32 points is not to be expected each and every week. But you know what? We saw a lot of things in the college game that are starting to translate now on Sundays. And I think you can expect him to score double digits each and every week from here on out, especially against the Colts. I know the Colts have a better run defense than they have a passing defense, but he's definitely a guy you're going to want to plug into that lineup as a solid RB2. Look, he now has two games in his last three in which he produced those double-digit points. And it would have been three straight if it wasn't for that fumble he lost back in Week 7 against the Patriots. Now his backfield mate, Ty Johnson, it wasn't just Carter getting involved out of the backfield in the passing game. Ty Johnson, take a bow. In addition to Carter's 95 receiving yards, Johnson added 71 yards and a touchdown on six targets. It's a good thing that both Carter and Johnson have value in the passing game, and really they should be kind of looked at receivers in this contest. Now the Colts have been tough on opposing running backs, as I mentioned this year, allowing only 17.68 fantasy points per game to the position. The only teams that have been better than the Colts have been the Panthers and the Bills. Indianapolis has only yielded two touchdowns on the ground and one receiving two running backs. Yeah, I'd say that's not ideal for Carter or Johnson, but that's not going to stop me from plugging Carter in as an RB2 and Ty Johnson as a flex, considering the landscape of the running back position this week. And But, but beware, Johnson. I'm just going to throw this out there. As much as I want to get him in my flex here, he has seen a bit of a drop in his snap count, 29% of the snaps, 32% of the snaps, while Tevin Coleman has been out of the lineup, which kind of goes backwards to everything that we're saying. But I think you could use him as a flex option going forward. Just buyer beware, temper those expectations, but feel good about Michael Carter. Now, Corey Davis, despite missing last week, is still the wide receiver 39 this year, 82.9 fantasy points and 29th in fantasy points per game, averaging 13.8 per contest when he has lined up. Now, keep an eye on the injury report leading up to Thursday Night Football as Davis has a chance to play even on a short week, but this is mostly affects Denzel Mims more than any other wide receiver. Not that you're considering putting Mims in your lineup or really on your roster in any way, shape, or form. Now, Davis says he feels good, but like the rest of us, he's day-to-day. Of note, back in Week 7 with Mike White under center, he posted four, 47, and one. That's right, four receptions, 47 yards, and a touchdown with Mike White. So you can expect that to kind of continue going forward as well if Davis is available for this game. J- Jameis Crowder is one of those dudes you can start each and every week in PPR in that flex position and feel good about it. Not that sexy name, but in PPR, he will get that job done. Last week, caught eight of nine passes for 84 yards, averaging a respectable 12.8 fantasy points per game in PPR, PPR formats. And he sits as the wide receiver 67 with 51.3 points while missing for the first three weeks of the season. And obviously losing a little bit of ground as the Jets had their bye back in week six. In four games, Crowder has recorded 16 or more fantasy points twice while seeing at least six targets in each of the contests in which he's been active in. Elijah Moore, Jets fans, Finally got to see a little something from Moore last week. Part of it was because Corey Davis wasn't available. Heck, even Jeff Smith and Denzel Mims, we've seen sightings of them. Now, let's not take away from Moore's six catches, 67 yards stat line. On the season, Moore has only 15 receptions, only 147 yards. So essentially, he doubled his production in one game last week. Moore is, though, the third highest scoring Moore receiver in the league. So there's always that. Laugh what you will, but at least he's ahead of Chris and David. Now, Elijah sits as 
wide receiver 85 with 37.9 fantasy points and averaging a modest 6.3 fantasy points per contest. All kidding aside, it's been back-to-back weeks in which Moore has produced 10 or more fantasy points. Not that a great week seven versus the Patriots there, but he did have that rushing touchdown that kind of bailed him out a little bit. And now he's perhaps carving a bit more of a role in this offense as he has seen six or more targets in four of the last five games that he has played in. At the tight end position, you have Tyler Croft and Ryan Griffin. There's not much to say here other than the Jets do have tight ends if anyone's actually wondering. Either way, you're not starting them. Now, on the Colts side of things, Carson Wentz, those badly timed interceptions popped up in your game once more. Although the one kind of gave your team a weird chance to win, instead of taking safety and allowing that pick six in the end zone to give the Colts the ball back and march the ball down, tying the score, sending it to overtime, it was actually kind of a good interception to throw i guess i don't know we're not going to get into that too much he then managed to get the game into overtime and then of course threw another pick that led to the field goal that allowed the titans to win now despite those two picks wentz did toss three touchdowns two to michael Pittman, the other to jack doyle and he did throw for 231 yards while still finishing the week as a qb 11 now wentz has been more consistent of a contributor for your fantasy squads than you would expect, tossing two t- two or more touchdowns and finishing with 17 or more fantasy points in five straight contests. Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> now, the Jets' defense may be the fifth stingiest when it comes to allowing fantasy points to wide receivers, but they have been the most generous when it comes to the running back position. The Jets are allowing 36.99 fantasy points per contest and a league-high A league-high 11 touchdowns through seven games. That is great news for Jonathan Taylor and his 18 points or more. Yeah, 18 points or more and a touchdown and 100 or more scrimmage yards in five straight games. I've never been accused of being great in math, but even I can see how these numbers are going to set up this week. Currently, Taylor is the RB3, about a point behind Austin Eckler, about 40-pack of Derrick Henry. With Henry set to miss at least eight weeks or so, Taylor will be looking to pass him to sit atop the running back stands. Heck, he might even go for 40 this week against the Jets. Now, Naeem Hines, is he going to get cut into that? Probably not. If we're being honest, he has been a non-factor since week three, where he posted 18 fantasy points in PPR. Since then, he has eight receptions and failed to produce more than six and a half in any contest. Marlon Mack did not get his trade request answered by the Colts, even though the team... You know what? They, they didn't let him touch the ball last week. And let's be honest, they haven't let him touch the ball since back in week four where he had 10 carries and two targets. Since then, he has about five carries, five carries, and three carries. <coughs> now, talking about the wide receivers here a little bit, Michael Pittman is the fantasy hitman. With two touchdowns against the Titans last week, he doubled his total on the season, which was the one thing that was kind of holding him back from being an elite fantasy option. True, we are still talking about him in that light, but you don't, you know, he's not getting that top billing that we're giving a lot of these elite wide receivers. Truth be told, he is the wide receiver 11 in PPR scoring on the season with only four touchdowns, and he's ahead of the likes of DeAndre Hopkins, CeeDee Lamb, Terry McLaren, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson. Last week's 30-point outing certainly doesn't hurt as it runs his total up to 129.2 fantasy points on the season. Pittman is 11th in receptions, 9th in receiving yards. Maybe Pittman and Wentz, maybe they go out for dinner every once in a while, just like Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup. Now, T.Y. Hilton, he missed week 7 due to an injury. 
okay, at least this time it wasn't soft tissue, but it was because of the concussion protocol, also not good. We have a small sample size thus far with Wentz looking his way back like he did in week six when he recorded four receptions for 80 yards. However, that was against the Texans, and that's pretty much what Hilton does against the Texans each time they face each other. Hilton last week saw a season-high five targets, but he only managed two receptions and 16 yards. Hilton is not what he once was, but he is he needs to step up to be a viable number two option in the passing game to help alleviate some of that pressure that Michael Pittman is going to see moving forward. Now, the third option in the passing game is Zach Pascal. He is still love, hovering around a low-key wide receiver four, sitting as the wide receiver 51 on the season, ahead of guys like Sterling Shepard, who's been battling injuries, Visca Chanel, who's just been battling not being good, Allen Robinson, who's been, you know, let's just forget about Robbie Anderson. You know, move on from Robbie Anderson. Julio jo- Pascal's best ability has been his availability, and that has allowed him to register 70.1 fantasy points thus far that puts him only about six back of the guys like T Higgins and Chase Claypool. Look, I don't re- recommend starting him whenever he's out there. You, you could get worse desperation plays than Zach Pascal, but let's look at this. Since the first two weeks, he has seen no production. You know, that first two weeks, he had three touchdowns, 26 of his fantasy points came in weeks one and two. Whereas the following six weeks, he has failed to find the end zone or score more than five fantasy points in any contest. Now, talk about tight ends for the Colts. We've got Jack Doyle. We've got Moelle Cox. I did mention Doyle catching a touchdown pass last week when I was talking about Carson Wentz. Well, it was one of the two passes that he caught, which was, well, two more than what Moelle Cox caught. And like the Jets' tight ends, I'm avoiding this situation altogether as well. That being said, I really like what the Jets have been doing. I really like what Mike White brings to the table. And Carson Wentz has been playing a little bit better than he has in the past. This is not quite the old Carson Wentz, but this wasn't the Carson Wentz we saw right before he was leaving the Eagles. It's kind of right in the middle. I really like the Jets this game. Again, on the road, I think this is one of those games where they get that passing game going or the extension of the run game through the pass game, through Michael Carter, Ty Johnson. They're going to keep doing their stuff thing what they do best out there. We know the Colts struggle against receivers so expect Jamison Crowder to have a good game I expect him to go for about 100 yards and a touchdown I expect Corey Davis to have a touchdown and probably 80 yards in that as well Michael Pibben put him up for about 125 I know the Jets have been stingy in the past game but Michael Pibben he's just different altogether that being said this has been the Thursday Night Football Week 9 preview we talk Jets we talk Colts you know what if you like what you see make sure you hit that subscribe button make sure you hit that like button and we'll see you next time when we start talking about the sunday night football and the monday night football previews and make sure you tune in every tuesday 10 p.m eastern to the dynasty vipers vipercast powered by fantasy points media group get that fantasy point subscription 21 vipers 10 gets you 10 percent off that subscription today take care